Hey, it's a Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories bonus episode. Welcome to it. My name is Brian, rocking it solo today uh, and hitting the mailbag. You guys are always sending us letters. We love it. It's one of our favorite parts about the show is the community that we've built with you. And you can do that. We are the story guys at gmail.com, the easiest way to do it. Uh, thanks to Randy who wrote the show uh, after the Carly Simon episode and said, so if you listen to the end of that show, Murdoch waited the whole time to bust out his favorite version of You're So Vain. And uh, Randy says, great episode, but I swear when Murdoch said he wanted to add something, the first thing I thought was, he's going to bring up Faster Pussycat. And then I thought, no way. And then he did. He's my hero. Um, Yeah, that just means you've listened to too much of the show, Randy. (laughs) That means you know Murdoch as well as I do. Um, Also, shouts to Randy, who uh, went after our last mailbag and dug up on the internet uh, the music that I mentioned that I had encountered in high school that I'd never been able to find, Beston. Uh, He found them on YouTube and then located... They're on streaming services now. And I swear, I feel sort of silly because that would have been the first place to look. I'm pretty sure I've looked there. And I think... I, I, I'm very convinced, or at least I'm convincing myself, that this is new, that they recently got put on Spotify. But if you want to find that song, uh, it's Best On, B-E-S-T-O-N, and the song is called Your Dark Disguise. Um, and then there's another one on there about falling in love that's really good, too, that I think was on the same comp that I had. So there you go. Uh, Randy, we appreciate all your support of the show, and you know, you might... I don't think we'll pay your therapy bills, but you might want to go to therapy if you're getting to know us that well. Uh, David writes the show, brings up an old episode that we love, the one about Geezer Butler and Malcolm Young. Uh, And he just, he reminds us of this anecdote, which I did go back and look, and this is, I've verified this. This uh, This is on the record. David says, I was watching an interview of Angus way back, and I'm guessing it was like in the early 80s. Anyway, the guy who was interviewing him was saying something about how they made... 11 records, uh, but they all sound alike. And Angus had this really disgusted look on his face. Oh, he said, yeah, he said, you've made 11 records and they all sound alike. And Angus looked at him really disgusted and said, that's really insulting. We actually have 12 albums that all sound alike. (laughs) David writes, thought you might like that story anyway. Love the podcast to keep telling stories. David, I do love that story. Uh, If, you know, I do have friends who will say like, the band I don't like is ACDC. That there's like a hive that says, you know, if we can eliminate one classic rock band, uh, let's get rid of those guys. I say no because they understand what they are. And my favorite, my favorite people, my favorite bands, uh, my favorite celebrity encounters all center around uh, those involved knowing who they are and the role they play. We've talked about uh, Brett Michaels on the show before, and I really enjoy him because that dude gets it. Like he knows who he is. He's not trying to be somebody else. Um, And sometimes it's a little cringy, but he leans into it. And I love that. Uh, Andrew writes the show. Hey guys, I've been working my way through your back catalog and it's a great show. I'm a total rock history nerd. And this show speaks to me on many levels. Andrew, that's very nice of you, dude. Uh, We appreciate that. James writes the show and says, found your spot, your your Spotify on podcast a few months ago, found your podcast on Spotify a few months ago and thoroughly enjoy it. I'm caught up with all the episodes, uh, but I appreciate the research and attention to detail you put into everything. Um, I would really love some more episodes about feuds and rivalries. I feel like we do a lot of those, but you're right. There's plenty that we haven't covered. We've got a few in the plans for the coming weeks. So listen up. Um, Those are coming your way uh, very soon. 
Jeff says, I came across your podcast by listening to episode three regarding NXS and Michael Hutchins, my favorite band. I hope they will make the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame one day. Since then, I've been working through all of your episodes, and I laughed with Murdoch when you discussed the possibility of Weird Al's chicken pot pie um, instead of live, or let, live and let die. <laughs> I had forgotten about that until you brought it back up, Jeff. That was one of Murdoch's finer moments. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Jeff from Pittsburgh. Uh, we appreciate you listening to us in Pittsburgh. Ashley writes to say that she has read most of the books on your list from a few weeks ago. There was a bonus episode where we started talking about rock and roll novels. Um, Mary Jane, Daisy, uh, Daisy Jones and the Six. Um, she said she loved those. Not so much on Goon Squad, which we agree on that. Um, and she loved Dave Grohl's book, which is awesome. Uh, do you have any other book recommendations? Um, she also says she's reading a book that I have not heard of um, called Take a Walk on the Dark Side, Rock and Roll Myths, Legends, and Curses by R. Gary Patterson. That sounds very appropriate for a fan of this show, so I may have to check that out. Let me know how that is. Um, And then you asked for recommendations, more recommendations. Okay, are we staying fiction or are we going nonfiction? I'll give you a couple for nonfiction. My favorite thing, I think I mentioned this on the show that I read last year, and I don't know if I mentioned this in that episode. I don't think I did. There's an oral history, a nonfiction oral history on New York music from like 2000 to 2007 called Meet Me in the Bathroom, and it is excellent. So lots of the strokes, lots of the yeah, yeah, yeahs, uh, lots of Interpol. So even if you don't love those bands, the story of how that scene sort of took over the world is fascinating and really well told and curated. So uh, that's called Meet Me in the Bathroom. Another one that I loved um, is Sellout, which is about that same period of music. It's by a guy named Dan Ozzy, O-Z-Z-I. I've probably talked about that too. And that chronicles, each chapter is about a different band who signed a who went from an independent record label to a major record label. So kids, if you're listening, uh, that used to matter. The record label you were on now, you probably don't think about it much. Um, but there was a lot of credibility issues wrapped up in all of that for people of a certain age. And so this really deep dives into sort of how that affected bands of that period and how it sort of started to wane and go away. That's really, really good stuff. And then another one that's like not strictly about music, but dips enough into it that I would recommend it. And I think you'd have fun with it is one of the godfathers of this show. One of my favorite uh, writers and thinkers is a guy named Chuck Klosterman. And he's got a book called the nineties, which is Spoiler alert about the 90s. Check that out. And oh, one more music one. The the Tommy James autobiography is unbelievable. And so we've done the big Tommy James episode, so you've heard the story, but just hearing it in his words is totally worth it. And that is called uh, Me, the Mob, and the Music. So you might want to check that out too. This does make me wonder, should we start a book club? Should there be a Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories book club? Let me know if you're into that. We've actually heard from quite a few of you who uh, have mentioned liking uh, hearing book recommendations and talking about rock and roll novels and stuff. We could start a rock and roll book club and it could be bonus episodes. So if, if you're into that, if you would definitely pop that on your headphones, uh, shoot us an email, let us know. And who knows what will happen. And we'll end with this one. Brenda in Topeka. Uh, Brenda writes, just found rock and roll bedtime stories about a week ago. And I am obsessed Thank you, Brenda. I love the content, even when the artist hasn't been in my playlist before. Also, I really need to know if Richard Marks ever contacted you after episode five. <laughs> you went way back. You went all the way back. Yeah, episode five, if you have not gotten that back that far back in the catalog, that's uh, Richard Marks versus the haters, which is about how Richard Marks aggressively goes after people who speak ill of him on the internet. And I'm sure we speculated in that episode, though it's been a few years, that we thought 
maybe Richard Marks would call us. Um, I'm a little afraid to repost that episode because of that. <laughs> now that you, this community, uh, 120 some odd episodes after that episode uh, have come together, I've thought about reposting that episode, but I don't know if I want to bring that that trouble down. I'm, I'm sort of interested in poking the bear again. We'll see. Uh, Brenda says, just wanted to send good wishes to both of you and hope uh, you have an endless supply of these music stories. We're working on it. I mean, we're not we're not responsible for the stories themselves. We just have to dig them up and we're pretty determined to do that. So hopefully we can keep going for a while. Thank you everybody who writes the show. We are the story guys at gmail.com. So nice to hear from you. We are working on all sorts of stuff in the coming months that you've sent and suggested, et cetera, et cetera. I do want to talk about a couple of things before we shut it down though. There have been a few major music news stories this week that I think are very pertinent to this show. Now we talk about, well, somebody mentioned the the rivalries. This isn't really a rivalry. We talk about rivalries a lot, and we talk about lawsuits a lot. Um, and there is a lawsuit in the news. I don't know if you've heard about this. So you know that band OK Go? I like really liked that band when they came out, probably 20 years ago. Um, they had this record, and um, they had this song called Get Over It. That's probably 2001, 2002. It was really, really early uh, in this century. It's weird to say it that way. And... Then they, as the internet started to become a real factor in popularity, like sort of before the TikTok and Instagram reels of the world, they had created some videos that went viral through YouTube. And you, if you don't know the name, you probably remember like the treadmill video. Remember that? These guys performing a treadmill. There's like a bunch of them though. There's several videos. Every time they did a video, it became a thing, right? So they had like three or four songs that got pretty popular from videos online where they were just acting a fool. So... The story is this. Post Foods, the cereal company, has put out little cups of cereal and they've branded them OK Go. Right? You can see how this is problematic. So the band sent a cease and desist letter to Post Cereal and asked them not to do that. And I can kind of see the argument both ways at first. If this was another band, I mean, OK Go is not hugely, hugely, hugely popular, but... What makes this situation sort of unique and what OK Go's argument is in all of this is that they are known for collaborations with brands. So once they started doing these viral videos, then they did collaborations with Sony and with Mercedes-Benz and with Google. And they even did, <laughs> they did a series of collaborations with Post Foods promotional videos for honey bunches of oats in 2011 now post foods has not been like oh my bad old partners and friends of ours they have actually sued the band back which i'm not even i don't think okay go actually sued post i think they just sent a cease and desist and then they sued the band and allegedly offered to pay okay go oh post foods claims it allegedly has now offered to pay okay go as part of a good faith effort for, quote, branding collaboration and co-marketing arrangement, but the band rejected the offer without providing a counterproposal and made a, quote, clear threat of potential litigation. This is some lawyering. That's all I can say about this. Um, according to Post Foods, the United States Patent and Trademark Office did not find the serial line's name would cause confusion with the name of the band. In a statement to Billboard, OK Go said they were caught off guard by the lawsuit. 
quote, a big corporation chose to steal the name of our band to market disposable plastic cups of sugar to children. That was an unwelcome surprise. But then they sued us about it. Presumably the idea is that they can just bully us out of our own name since they have so much more money to spend on lawyers. I guess that's how it often works, but hopefully we will be the exception. So now you see this small hive of weirdo bands reacting on Twitter. And when I say small hive, I mean they might be giants. Um, throw it in their ring. That's like the appropriate band for OK Go to get support from immediately. And I like whoever like dug this up at the NME. This is in the show notes if you want to see it. Uh, they're like, oh yeah, let's make a whole article about the fact that They Might Be Giants is also mad that OK Go is getting... <laughs> getting sued by a giant company. Uh, so there's that. What I think might be the weirder story this week is about the sale of songwriting credits. We talk all the time about songwriting credits on this show. This comes up a lot because a lot of people early on in the history of rock and roll made a lot of bad deals over their songwriting and then didn't have rights to the things that they've created, which means they weren't getting the residual music. Now, in 2023... It broke this week that Justin Bieber has sold his share of the rights to his music to Hypnosis Songs Capital for a reported $200 million. And so that firm now owns his stake. So, you know, like he has shared songwriting credits, they just get the Bieber portion. But some of, I mean, basically almost everything up to this point, like I saw a list of some of the songs and it, it covered everything from baby to peaches. Like it's all the way through. Um, now other people have done this, right? Artists are increasingly selling their stakes in their work to music funds. Although the trend is more common among older artists. Here's the list of people who have done this in the last two years. Bob Dylan, uh, Bruce Springsteen, uh, Springsteen reported a $500 million sale for his life's work. Now it sort of makes sense when you're Springsteen and when you're Dylan, because otherwise it's going to go to your estate. Right. And while your heirs will appreciate it and stuff, a big chunk of 500 million, you can do some good with it. You can set up a bunch of people and then you're gone. So like their point is it sort of makes sense for those folks. Bieber's like, is he 30? Like this dude, I mean, granted $200 million is a ton of money, but I guess it's a game of projection on, you know, what your stake is and how much you think it'll pay out over the years. Really interesting thing. Interesting thing to see who else is going to do this. Also, we're getting into like basically venture capital. Uh, This company, this hypnosis music, they will receive a payment every time a song it owns is streamed or used on radio, TV, or film. So all of it goes through them. Now the company is a $1 billion venture between Blackstone, which is just VC, and the British Hypnosis Song Management. It's wild. 290 Justin Bieber songs that they now own. So, I mean, $200 million is like not even a real number. Like trying to figure out how much money that is is ridiculous. So I get it, but I, I still question, like the math is too much for me to say like, is this a good deal or a bad deal? But you start talking about selling your songwriting credits and I get a little nervous because, you know, what do they say about you better learn history or it will repeat itself? Um, Granted, the numbers are way different. And we'll talk on the show, you know, often and soon again about mismanagement uh, and bad deal signing 
in the seventies and what that did to artists who have gone on to be very successful, but how it temporarily waylaid them. This is a different situation, but it is strange to see people just selling the rights to their music to venture capital. So, I mean, I don't know. More power to them, I guess. Uh, if you've got something you want to talk about, you got comments about any of this stuff, love to hear from you. It's uh, we are the story guys at gmail.com. We are the story guys at gmail.com. Instagram is backslash rock and roll bedtime stories. You can hang out with us there. And we'll be back next week with a full fledged episode. Thanks for hanging out and keep telling stories. <laughs>